Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. episode nine um I'll, well this episode felt a lot quicker than it actually was it's a roundup about the same amount of time as all the other bad batch episodes i think around 23 24 minutes sometime within that time frame but i feel before we go any further artif was absolutely spot on with who put the bounty for omega uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but yeah, yeah, I was, I was quite, quite happy to see that. Like one of my predictions finally came true, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, bang on the money. Uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, yeah, that's right. This is the podcast you come to for one hundred percent accurate <laughs> predictions. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they're all about the business, and you know, usually when those those business heads are like, you know. So involved in situations, it, you know, bad things usually happen. So, and, and bad people with them. So here we go. You know, <laughs> very true. It's very true. And uh, funnily enough, here we are with our first episode, which I would say seventy-five percent or eighty percent of the episode doesn't even feature the bad batch. Yep. Yep. There's a completely like uh, separate now. I don't know what it is, and we said this again and again, but I feel it needs to be pointed out over the fact that it just ever since um, who was that uh, linchpin that comes in that Sid. Uh, Sid ever since Sid came in, and I know Sid hasn't featured in the past maybe the past two episodes or at least this one. Um, no, I think it's the past two episodes. Yeah, ever since Sid came in, it's just I feel it's changed as a series. I know we've said this before, but it's continually tone, writing, action, just story art, just everything has changed. It's gone like a completely different way as if we're watching a different show that we initially started out watching for the first four to five episodes, don't you think? Yeah, it felt like the first four episodes, it was still kind of trying to find where it was going in a way. And now... Yeah, as you said, like over the last few episodes, it's really starting to come together. And actually, that's what I really liked about this episode is that, you know, we get <laughs> the reinvolvement of many characters from earlier in the series that we haven't seen for a while. So, you know, we get the return of Fennec Shand, our favorite, you know, with Ming-Na Wen. Woo-woo. <laughs> um, then also, like, you know, uh, the Kaminoans and, like, their whole kind of politics and business and the fact that, you know, we, we knew something was going on with them. We weren't sure quite what it was. And yeah, here we are. Um, and then, of course, you know, like we get uh, the justification for why Bane, uh, you know, picked up uh, Omega as well. So, you know, I feel that this episode uh, was a great kind of, I mean, what is this, episode nine out of 12, right? 16. Yeah, 16. Okay. So, like, you know, we're beyond the midpoint and now it's sort of um, all these story points are starting to tie together and to kind of fling it into a, like the, the direction it was supposed to go into. Um, whereas earlier in the the you know the series, you, you everything was kind of a little bit 
uh, unsure or, you know, I suppose setting those scenes, but some of the, that scene setting was a little bit, I think it was around like episode three and four that we found it a little bit kind of unimaginative with the writing or like maybe there wasn't as much going on. But now these episodes are really like action packed with like loads of like politics and as you said, action and, uh, you know, new characters as well, which are, you know, really entertaining. So yeah, definitely. I, I really enjoyed this episode as well. Like in terms of, yeah, the, the context as well and the Kaminoans. I mean, as you know, we had predicted it, you know, um, they, you know, Omega, I mean, they're clearly all about the business and there's something special about Omega. We didn't know what it was and why they wanted her. And, you know, we get the big reveal, you know, which is that she is essentially the, the pure clone of um, Django Fett. So kind of, you know, very similar to Boba Fett in that um, they're that first generation of uh, clones, which is, you know, clearly valuable, uh, very valuable asset to have, um, which was a really interesting reveal, I felt, because we, we always knew that there was something special about Omega, didn't know what it was, wasn't sure whether she had some sort of power or abilities. But actually, it's just even in the fact of her DNA that she's just a very valuable asset that they kind of had and probably kept secret, I would imagine, from, you know, the Empire and, and others because it, it's just, you know, yeah, she's just that, such a rarity, really. You know, I'm, I've kind of written my notes, Boba Fett's sister, even. So, you know, it's, uh, and again, you know, really interesting that we haven't got Boba Fett at all, uh, but she's kind of here and, and carrying on that, you know, um, I suppose original clone legacy, really, you know. And it's like the aging, isn't it? Uh, I can't remember Boba Fett's yeah. aging is, is quicker or slower. Um, so, or it's normal. It, it's a normal yeah. rate of aging. Because the other clones speed up, don't they? They're fast right, yeah. for adulthood. Um, whereas in obviously Omega's sitting in a, hard to tell, somewhere between 8 and 11 or 12 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in that kind of bracket. Which obviously, yeah, so here we are having almost like well i mean it's the only way you can really describe it it's boba fett's twin sister really yeah another fett it's omega fett <laughs> bring in <Yeah>. the fets glorian <laughs> worked at home with the fets yeah. yeah yeah at home with the fets <laughs> we have like a wonder vision first like at home with the fets of 50s 60s like canned laughter <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah Oh, Django. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're all really good swimmers because they live on, you know, uh, Camino, you know, just yeah, surrounded yeah. by oceans. <laughs> there you go. Um, Disney, you can have that one from us. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but the tone is, uh, like, especially the tone, is mm. really serious episode. Well, not serious is the uh, wrong word. Probably darker episode. It's a darker yeah. episode, especially in tone. Um Love the fact that this is when Fennec Shan comes back into it and you kind of know that she's going to scrape through because we obviously see her in the Mandalorian a lot later on. <laughs> but I like how we're kind of joining her more so when she's making her mark. She's known to some people and obviously Cab Bane already knows her, mm -hmm. but it's almost like she's making her mark in that bounty hunter world. And hey, I mean, if you're ever going to have a spin-off, let's just follow a Fennec Shan spin-off. I mean, I know we're getting it, kind of, with the Book of Boba Fett, but hey, let's have an origin or, or so much to her backstory in a, in a limited eight-episode animation or something like that, because it would work. I mean, you've got 30 years of kind of backstory to choose from, of like dealing with, you know, <laughs> the Empire and, you know, the remnants of the Jedi and 
so and then you know up to the mandalorian as well so yeah there's so much that you could dive into in terms of story for her um, a, a darker tone like this one as well yeah definitely i i completely agree on the tone like it i did feel that this one was kind of darker and um you know, and even, I mean, you know, having introduced like that, you know, well, Cad Bane into the series in the last episode and having him now, I, I really like him as this sort of quite dark bounty hunter. And again, like having Fennec Shander as well, like kind of fighting with him. I mean, those action scenes between them were so cool. And like, as you know, one of, the, one of these Star Wars fans who loves the bounty hunters that they always seem to like, you know, create. And I mean, they just, their, their fight scenes are just so cool. Even just like, the, I, I love the shootout between the two of them. The fact that they're, you know, deadly accurate. They have all these little tricks and weapons that are, you know, from flamethrowers to little boosters or grenades that they stick to the wall. It's just so inventive and, and so entertaining to watch, you know. Um, I always I always love anything to do with Star Wars Bounty Hunters. So this episode was a real kind of, you know, fun for that. And as you said, like, it, it added to that dark atmosphere. And there were some real moments, like, uh, just before they started fighting when... Um, Fennec Shan killed Ton Wei. So one of the Kaminoans who came to do the deal with yeah. uh, Cad Bane for Omega. And I thought that was quite a, you know, uh, I mean, as you said, like, like a very dark atmospheric point. And, you know, just seeing kind of her body laying on the floor there, I was like, whoa, this is, whoa. And, you know, you're not sure if she's, you know, unconscious or murdered. And then it turns out that she is dead. Um, mm -hmm. And even the facility that they're kind of fighting in as well, you know, um, it's the clone facility and has, you know, these dark laboratories of bodies falling on them and, you know, kind of ectoplasm going all over Fennec Shand and things like that. It was like really kind of a bit X-Files, you know, in terms yeah, of the yeah. atmosphere. So it was, yeah, I, I completely agree. It was, uh, yeah, a great kind of dark episode, but really like good writing um, in terms of uh, just, yeah, as I said, I mean, you know, many that, that, the fact that we find out about what the Kaminoans are doing um, and why they want Omega and how they're all sort of, I suppose, like kind of double-crossing each other. They all have their own kind of pol political um, ideas, I suppose. You know, we have uh, one which I was actually researching her name, um, but the one that was Nala Say. So she was the one who, um, you know, is kind of basically on Omega's side against their prime minister, which is Lama Su. So yeah. we see him like kind of being quite, you know, I, I suppose, you know, a bit um, malevolent and kind of a bit evil and, and you know, ordering people and, and really wanting to get the assets back. Whereas, you know, uh, Nala uh, Say was protecting Omega. And I think that's why she's hired Fennec Chan. So this is the interesting thing is that we've had Fennec Chan since the beginning of the series and assumed that she was maybe, we didn't know who she was working for, but could be a dark character or, you know, but clearly she's actually out to get Omega to safety, I think, mm. you know, so actually doing something good for Omega and, but we just don't know it, you know, through like dark actions, really. Um, I think that's what's quite intriguing about this is that actually there are like these, you know, these twists and turns that the, the, the you know, the writing takes that you know, it keeps you on your toes, really, you know. <laughs> We're getting back into that old prequel politics storyline though, aren't we? Which um, we haven't, we obviously don't really see in the in the new sequels that came along, um, and it's it's very much like I feel every time that politics come into it in the world of politics within Star Wars, is that's a George Lucas trait, isn't it? That's a yeah. 
That's very much an element that he felt should be present within the whole arc of the storytelling of the worlds and how all of these different planets almost communicate and get on. You know, it's a grand, uh, a million times grander sequence than we have just on one planet, but on, on a multitude of planets. But and it's it's interesting as well because um, I know we've said this before because now you get to within these series as well as the live action ones you get to experience and live with and we said this about the sand people when we were talking about um the mandalorian how you get to live with races that you would never get the time in the films and that's what we're getting here and we're we're seeing almost like because when you see them in the films it almost feels like they've just got this one dimension to them yeah one One dimension dimension to them and it's just kind of that's their character that's how they present themselves and that's how they kind of run and in this not only do you see kind of the ruthlessness type side to them but you see the political motives on one side but then you also see the rogue side the rebellion side of some who don't quite believe in that and are fighting to save this particular clone well omega so that's i just find that yeah. so interesting as well absolutely and actually you know it's interesting with the karen owens because of the nature of the clones and first they're like good because they're with the jedi and then they're bad because they're with the empire and the karen owens just seemingly go along with it so actually their kind of moral stance is you know quite ambiguous because it's it just seems that they're all about the business and whoever's giving them money for whatever clones. But actually, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, uh, having someone like Nala protecting, you know, Omega and, and wanting to clearly give her a better life. Or And, you know, what was interesting as well, and again, another kind of dark note, is the fact that um, when Cad Bane um, communicates with Lanus, uh, Lama Su, um, and they're kind of talking about getting Omega back, like, either dead or alive, and how actually, oh, they, he's got her alive, so it's kind of more of a benefit. I thought that was like quite a dark note to say like, well, actually it doesn't matter how we get her. We just need her kind of genetic material really. You know? Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting to see how the Cameron Owens have like their own various side and internal politics and kind of, you know, what they believe is right and wrong for their creations, you know? Um, and again, you know, it's interesting to think, you know, maybe I'd be interested to see what the Cameron Owens think about the Bad Batch themselves, because clearly they're their creations, but, you know, this kind of rebel offshoot. So do they see them as like, you know, uh, kind of, I mean, are they disappointed with that part, you know, of the creation? Because it's it's not work to plan. But on the other hand, they're a really advanced unit with like, you know, high level, high levels of skills and authority, you know, unto themselves. And so, I don't know, I suppose, I, yeah, you could be proud of that as well, you know. Um, well, they seem to be very much. Uh, I know they were wrong and supposedly because their, their DNA didn't quite match up like the rest of them. But it, what it has done, pretty much, is almost like handpicked the best of, you know, a whole platoon of people, and you've picked the best five, and that's them really yeah. the ones that seem to fight their way. You know, it's almost like five Rexes. That's yeah. what kind of got there is you've got the cream of the crop but all with particular skills so but it's obviously interesting because at the end when Fennec's land Fennec is like I can track them if you want to it's going to cost extra like, no it's okay she should be fine with them 
So yeah. there's, there's some sort of maybe. Obviously, the trust doesn't go both ways. But the prime minister probably sees it completely differently. Absolutely. But on the other side of things, they're very much happy. The ones that are fighting against that political agenda are very much happy for the bad batch to like take the lead and have Omega because they probably feel that that's the safest place yeah. to be right now, not with us, which is probably on their home world, surrounded by everyone who wants to get her, but kind of skipping across the galaxy with her own team of mercenaries protecting her. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, yeah you're absolutely right that. The best place. I mean, you know, for Nala, say being, you know, Omega being bad with the Bad Batch is the best place she can be right now because of just everyone who's after her, from you know, bounty hunters to the Empire to you know, um, well, you know, and also, I mean, we also got you know a glimpse of um, uh, Crosshair at the beginning as well. Um, I mean, he yeah. is furious right now as well. <laughs> he like he is really pissed off with the Bad Batch after getting half his face burned off, and you know, so. I'm sure he's just like got a whole, you know, new like revenge agenda, <laughs> uh, separate from the empire. You know, in terms of getting a mega back, killing the bad batch. So that's going to make for some you know, interesting action scenes. I hope going forwards as well. It's also interesting to see as like where the next. Uh, well, firstly on on Crosshair, I didn't think even Crosshair was in the right state of uh, that had enough energy to go and chase them out yeah. of the planet, but he clearly did. Um, it's driven by hate. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, purely by hate uh, drove him on to kind of chase them away. But it's interesting to see now that it's for the. It's almost like they're on the run again. They've they've been on the run from the empire, and now they're on a run from a whole different kind of race, which also work with the empire. So, as well as the bounty hunters after them. Yeah. So to them, they're not even though Fennec isn't tracking them, to them they're probably running from Cad Bane, running from Fennec, running from the Empire, you know, as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, do, do you think uh, Fennec Shand will become like an ally later on for them because she's still kind of on the mission in a way, but like not really tracking them? But I feel like she might come back in and, you know, be a, an ally for the Bad Batch and, I don't know, work towards them because now that she's been kind of revealed to be out for like Omega's good and protection. Only Perhaps. one funny though. This is true. True. Kind of yeah. <laughs> That's know, very true. Yeah. Line, isn't it? Yeah, she says that herself as well. I think you know that you know it's it's about payment and and whatnot. So yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. So it's because kind of when we see her in the Mandalorian, the only reason that she's kind of helping the Mandalorian is because she owes Boba her life. So she kind of works for boba so to speak but then yeah. when you see them her at the end of the mandalorian ready for the book of boba she's very much that <laughs> she's yeah. going to take out anyone that she wants to take out whenever she wants to take them out it might just so happen that her bounties make her fall on the right side for now <laughs> but she's definitely one of those ones that you can't 100 percent trust <laughs> yeah, unless you've got enough cash to keep her on your side then, i mean then hell <laughs> why not you know <laughs> run away with Fennec Shan if you got enough money <laughs> absolutely true that yeah it's 50-50 so uh, one to see what would be interesting to see is does Sid come back into this do they go to Sid and mm. because now they're on more so on the run but I'm guessing they probably need credits and they probably need to make their way in the galaxy so that's it, a really good point 
Yeah. Are, are we going to see them go back to Sid now for another mission or another, or is that too much of a risk for them? Will they go and hide out? This is the kind of, this is the, for the first time, I would say properly this season, that I really don't know what the next or where the next episode is going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think going back to Sid is definitely a good shout just because, yeah, you're right. They need, they, they need, Sid is probably one of the few, well, definitely one of the few characters who supports them in the, in the galaxy who has some sway and some, you know, corridors to people and power in, in different ways. So <clears throat> it would make sense for like Sid to, um, to help them out. And, you know, and also Sid was kind of friendly with Omega as well. So maybe it's also a personal favor that she'd do for them. Um, it'd be interesting to see actually how Sid kind of, plays out throughout the rest of the series and, and again where her loyalties lie kind of down the line because she also is a, a character driven by money and, and you know and connections and, and I suppose you know and, and I mean with the Empire now um, trying to grow within the galaxy I mean who knows what sort of pressure they'd exert on her like you know if they find out what she what she kind of does for the bad batch so I'm, I'm again yeah Sid is like another kind of interesting character like Fennec Shanda it's like morally ambiguous depending on perhaps who's paying more. <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely going forwards, I'd be interested to see that. But, of course, you know, towards the end of the episode, though, uh, we get, you know, a quite a touching moment, which is Omega reuniting with the Bad Batch. Finally, eh, after the last few episodes and running around and bounty hunters and separations and truths and whatnot. I mean, it's actually, it, it did happen quicker than I thought it would, though, I have to say. Um it was, I don't know, they were only separated for about an episode or two, really. So Yeah, I was wondering that. I thought for a second, I was like, oh, already back together. I thought that might have been at least, because it's not too much of a limited series, it's 16-odd episodes. So I thought this might be a couple of episode arc just to get her back, or even longer, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that, I mean, that was quite nice, though, like seeing them reunited. and But clearly there's like some... I feel that there's something that we don't know about Omega still that maybe the Bad Batch do, like something further, perhaps beyond the genetic, just being a genetic kind of, um, like a perfect kind of genetic, you know, clone of, uh, or like an original clone, I should say. Um, I feel that there's something else. I'm not quite sure what, I feel like it's an ability, you know? I mean, what do you reckon? Like, do you reckon she, because she seems really good with like, robots but then also with like you know she's a really good shot as well with her little bow um she has you know i don't know she she has abilities from like all the bad batch and what do you reckon (laughs) i don't know if you said this before or used this as an example um but i don't know why it pings in my head as if it was something you said but it very much she feels to a certain extent, not perfectly, but like Trinity from the Matrix, where it's like, I need to fly a helicopter. I can fly a helicopter. It's <laughs> like, I need to learn how to use this weapon of this bow and arrow. I can use this weapon of this bow and arrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very much, she, she takes things on board very, very quickly, and she has got a very good technical mind. So maybe she's a bit more like the Bad Batch, but the more she grows up, the abilities are almost like combined of what yeah. the Bad Batch are, but she has all of them. Maybe she's not as crazy as Wrecker, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe there's a fairer balance there. But I feel there's definitely more to the character. And if Boba grows up to be the ruthless badass that Boba grows up to be, then surely Omega should be on some sort of level pegging. Yeah, maybe she's, you know, 
a, a sort of perfect clone in a way that you know she's got all of Django's skills, but then who knows? Maybe she ages really slowly, or she has you know um, uh, she can't. Uh, I don't know, she has healing powers or like some form of I don't know, like uh, just an ability that we just don't know yet. Um, she, maybe she doesn't catch diseases or something. You know, I mean, you know, with these kind of clones and stuff like that, you know, it's we don't know what the Kaminoans have done and why she is so special. And, and, you know, maybe it is just because she's this kind of perfect clone or, you know, genetic match, but maybe, I, I don't know, maybe there's something else. Maybe there's, she's a bit of an experiment in some way, you know? Um, so, and that's why, you know, they're kind of, they're so keen to get her back. You know, it, it's, who knows, you know, maybe she's just this kind of, un, un you know, uncut, you know, at the moment, this kind of covered weapon, and, you know, at some point she'll just kind of burst and, you know, that's why we see like, oh, okay, that's why she's so valuable to them. You know, she's just like this super weapon, you know. <laughs> Who knows, maybe she's even a Jedi, you know. <laughs> she is Neo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, she's not Trinity. She's Neo, you know. <laughs> she is the one and she's going to bring balance to everything, you know. <laughs> so in that case, guys, uh, join us next week when we talk about the next episode of Bad Batch, a.k.a. The Matrix 4. <laughs> <laughs> Hi guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Jedi Order Podcast. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe and may the force be with you.